Hi, this is Austin Enneagram, and this is Elizabeth. And we? And we are continuing with our Claudio Naranjo Enneatype Structures book study with Chapter 5, Type 5, which Naranjo is a 5. Yes. And, and this is page 81. It starts on 81. Um, yeah. And I, in some ways, I feel like having done, we did the number night recently, the five number night. And I think because he's a five, like this chapter is pretty meaty. It's like there's, we could almost read the whole thing on the podcast. Like it's so thick. Yeah. 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 I was just rereading it before we got on. And um, I feel like um, it reminded me of like when I first started reading in grad school, how I wanted to highlight everything I read, <laughs> how you couldn't tell yeah. what was totally what was important and what was not. But I feel like just about every sentence in this chapter is highlightable. Yes, for sure. I agree. Um, so the title of this chapter is seeking wholeness through isolation. And, um, I think that I, I wrote out in the margin that there's kind of an implicit judgment here that a five feels that that is wholeness, um, Mm -hmm. in that seeking of isolation, it feels safe, but it also feels correct to them and there's a a little bit of a value judgment there that they are what they're going about and the way they're going about it is right and the rest of us are are you know silly um and he does at some point i can't remember under which piece of um when he goes through all the different iterations of avarice there is a comparison to type ones that there is mm. that that little bit of um, rightness or mm. um, way of being in the world that feels correct mm-hmm. uh, in a similar way. Yeah, so I I sense that too. Um, the first uh, thing he so avarice is their uh, their passion, which is another mm-hmm. way of talking about greed, and. Um, he says avarice and pathological detachment, which I love that um, pathological detachment. Um, I think it's interesting that greed is their passion. I mean, I think, I think it's super unconscious for them. And I think yeah. that um, I think it's interesting that a type that has passion is uh, greed is their passion for them to be so self-sufficient and so not needing things. It's funny that, I mean, it's, it's trickier to see uh, it's not quite as mm-hmm. apparent as maybe some other types. There's their passion. Yeah. I think it's definite unpacking just like most Enneagram passions that it's not exactly what you see at the beginning totally. um, or the, the traditional interpretation or understanding of that, of that word. Yeah. Um, but certainly, and that it that it comes from a place of um, lack, like such a place of lack is there's some dissonance with the word greed and then their kind of own kind of impoverishment in a way mm-hmm. um, Yeah, that that feels it's kind of strange to get your head wrapped around um, that connection. Yeah. To me. Yeah, totally. Um so halfway down that paragraph on the first mm-hmm. page, um, if the gesture of anger is to run over, so if the gesture of the eight is to run over, that of the five of the avaricious is one of holding back and holding in. Yep. While, while anger in an eight expresses greed, and I thought that was interesting too, that he talks about eights as greedy. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess that's kind of obvious, but. Boy, I don't, yeah. I don't know if you talk to eights. You have, would, you would have they... a blind spot to eights too, I think. you. Well, you know what? It, it always surprises you when. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, I think I'm, oh. I know. Well, I wrote some interesting things in the margin on this chapter. I think that maybe, yeah, I have a lot to learn about eights. Wow. That's maybe yeah. one way of putting it. Um, um, well, no, I think, you know, you're one of your best friends is an eight. And I think you have some 
fl- more flesh on your, your experience than I do, you yeah. know? Yeah. 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 Um, so if the gesture of the eight is to run over that of the five is one of holding back and holding in while anger in an eight expresses greed in an assertive way, even though unacknowledged greed in a five and in an avaricious manifests only through retentiveness, <laughs> which I think is a great word for fives retentive. This is a fearful grasping, implying a fantasy that letting go would result in catastrophic depletion. Catastrophic depletion. That's intense. Double underline that. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I did. Uh, Behind the hoarding impulse, there is, we may say, an experience of impending impoverishment. Yet holding on is only half of type five psychology. The other half is giving up too easily. So holding on, being retentive, and then giving up too easily because of an excessive resignation. So I I like, I I mean, these are the things that I've really underlined. Catastrophic depletion, impending impoverishment, impoverishment. (laughs) excessive resignation. Um, Because of an excessive resignation in regard to love and people precisely, there's a compensatory clutching at oneself, which may or may not manifest in a grasping onto possessions, but involves a much more generalized hold over one's inner life, as well as an economy of effort. I like that. An economy of effort and resources. Mm-hmm. The holding back and self-control of a five is not unlike that of the of the eight, yet it is accompanied by getting stuck through clutching at the present without openness to the emerging future, which I yes. love. I love that. Yes. That whole, those whole two paragraphs are They're just brilliant. Yeah. And, and I love, um, there's something about, and I guess this is, this is literally for all of us. What we think we're up to doesn't get us what we really want, mm-hmm. but the juxtaposition of those word pairings like impending impoverishment excessive resignation um catastrophic depletion like the um and that somehow that is connected to avarice mm-hmm. like the logical misstep of, yes. of uh, that is of that kind is of fascinating tool. to mm-hmm. me yeah yeah which we're we all do and we're all so convinced that our way is the way that it's going to get us what we want Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of when you read um, really what you're up to. And especially, I think, for a type five being so in their head and mm-hmm. so in control and logic and holding it all in. Mm-hmm. And then these strange word pairings are just like, whoa. Um, yeah. I think that what Naranjo is kind of teaching me is that, like he ca- he calls it ontic obscuration, right? So that mm-hmm. every little baby child had this moment where they were already, I guess, wired to have this existential pain or suffering. Mm -hmm. And then it's like they picked one tool out of their tool belt to be their tool. Just double down on it. Yeah. And then just thought that was the way for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, Okay, next paragraph. Yeah, this is where he kind of compares, the, I think, to me, the one. a little bit of the one and the five. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, it might be said that the avaricious, the five, is internally perfectionistic, internally perfectionistic, mm-hmm. rather than uh, rather than critical to the outer world. So the one is critical one. to the outer world. The mm-hmm. five is internally perfectionistic. Um, but most importantly, the difference between ones and fives lies in the contrast between the active extroversion of the former of the one yeah. and the introversion of the latter, the introversion of a thinking type that avoids action. And I like the succinctness of that, the introversion of a thinking type that avoids action. And I started thinking like you could just run through all the numbers and say the, you know, the feeling, uh, the feeling, any type that avoids action. That's what I am, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, Alabel is the feeling enneotype that avoids feelings. <laughs> it's just, you know, um, like you're, what are you? You're the, you're the doing enneotype that avoids doing yes. funny, yeah. funny, funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also, um, was thinking about my friends who are one in five paired and how hmm. crossway they get in this, um, hmm. and that they're both kind of striving for this sense of, um, perfection but the one is doing it or the five is doing it without any feedback or telling you how it's yeah, happening you don't have a sense of it a one crazy right just, um because they're wanting to do and get with it and do what's right mm-hmm. and the internal kind of perfection of the five before they can ever put it out there whoo yeah um, crossways yeah you're not ever privy to it so you don't yeah. even know that it's happening. Yeah. Um, also, any type one is demanding, while type five seeks to minimize his own needs and claims. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. And I, you know, and I guess that's where I think it's so funny that they're minimizing needs and claims, but also they're greedy. Like that's funny. That's super funny to me. It is. It does not make <laughs> sense in the in the general. Um, common understanding of greedy exactly exactly fascinating yeah um yeah i was just the next that the final paragraph in this section where he talks about meanness i think is um yeah read that interesting so chaza's word for the fixation corresponding to any type five is stinginess which stands i think too close to avarice the ruling passion or emotion so then Naranjo says, meanness with its connotation of an unknowing failure to give would come closer to capturing the dominant aspect of the Enneotype 5 strategy in face of the world, which is this, self-distancing and the giving up on relationships. Still better, however, would is to speak of being detached withdrawn, autistic, and schizoid, which he gets into, you know, obviously psychological terms. But again, like unbeknownst to them, meanness, Mm -hmm. which I think is an interesting word to apply, is the result of the self-distancing and giving up on relationships. Because then you you can't see the world around you. And so like it, whether or not, you kind of have this kind of coarseness, um, distance, not seeing because mm-hmm. you've decided to pull back to hold in because of your fear of catastrophic um what did he say catastrophic catastrophic depletion yeah right but that right. has decided you've decided and that in the end can kind of contribute to this from the outside looking in mean meanness yeah um, which is painful I mean I'm not even a five and that makes me sad yeah I think a five would be sad about that adjective I think it's kind of the Mm -hmm. old-fashioned definition of me yeah and so I kind of like I kind of like um thinking of meanness in that way Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and uh it's it's a it's an unknowing failure to give yeah yeah but the knowingness it's interesting to think of the knowingness being pulling back and the knowingness being holding back. Mm-hmm. And so in that thinking that you don't have responsibility outside of yourself. And yeah. oftentimes I think we think of meanness as going after or, yeah, you know, being intentionally harmful or, you know, in aggressive. our current context, aggressive in a way. Yeah. But it is, it's kind of like you saying that my aggressive harmonizing <laughs> has the opposite impact. Right. Mm-hmm. That that mm-hmm. when we think we're making ourselves smaller, being self-contained, um, there there can be a, a flip side to that. And yeah. I think that's something for fives to really put put words to and have a vocabulary for that their self-containment, their fear of being depleted has has an impact. It's yes. not just just them. Yeah. That's um, it's really good. Really good. Um, next in the trait structure of avarice is retentiveness, which he, he uses that word quite a bit, um, on page 83, 
among the characteristics of retentiveness, it is important to take note of a holding on to the ongoing content of the mind. So I love that holding on to the ongoing content of the mind Um, as if wanting to elaborate or extract the last drop of significance um, that results in a typical jerkiness of mental function, a subtle form of rigidity that militates against the individual's openness to environmental stimulation and to what is emerging. And I feel like he keeps saying mm-hmm. that, that it's this mental function that blinds you to the emergence of the, of, of the world. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I like the way he talks about jerkiness of mental function and rigidity of mental function. Um, we have in the past, you and I have talked about awkwardness of fives, but this mm-hmm, is kind of Naranjo's way of talking about awkwardness. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that last paragraph there, he says, we may say that the implicit interpersonal strategy of holding on implies a preference for self-sufficiency in regard to resources instead of approaching others. Um, this in turn involves a pessimistic outlook in regard to the prospects of either receiving care and protection or in having any power to demand or take what is needed. Mm. And I thought, you know, that's the, your needs are not a problem and right. um, how hard it is for fives number one initially to say, well, that's not true. You know, when we say that's one of their childhood messages um, that they operate from that space of their needs. Um, they need to be able to hear from us that their needs are not a problem, mm-hmm. um, that they set up their world in such a kind of pessimistic way of meeting their own needs or thinking that they can meet their own needs or self-sufficiency. And I think that description in that last paragraph of the retentiveness um, trait structure really defines well that idea of their needs not being a problem. Yeah. Um, they don't even perceive they really, yeah, that they have yeah. them. They don't perceive yeah. it. Yeah. Um, next is not giving, which mm. um, the avoidance of, of commitment. So I wrote out to the side, huge, huge, huge. The avoidance mm-hmm. of commitment can be considered as an expression of not giving since it amounts to an avoidance of giving in the future. In this avoidance of commitment, however, there is also another aspect, the need of type five to be completely free, unbound, unobstructed in possession of the fullness of themselves, a trait representing a composite of avarice and an oversensitivity to engulfment to be discussed later, he says. (laughs) It may be pointed out that hoarding implies not just avarice, but a projection of avarice into the future a protection against being left without here again, the trait represents a derivation, not only from avarice, but from the intense need of autonomy. Um, Yeah. Wow. Mm. Um, I think it's interesting how there's a real uh, characterization here of, of kind of forecasting all the time which I don't think of in fives too much. I mean, I guess it's the, in, in, in all the head types, they're maybe doing that, but they're really safeguarding against this. I guess what he was saying, impending this impending impoverishment. And so they spend a lot of time uh, creating their uh, safety structures against the impending impoverishment, which, Mm -hmm. you know, it feels very six ish, doesn't it? Yeah. And if, if they commit to something now, they don't know what it's going to ask of them later. Right. So that idea that um, to be free and to have what they need tomorrow means they can't give to you today or they can't commit to you for tomorrow, Mm -hmm. right? That there can be this impoverishment of the future for sure. And do you think nons overlay with that at all? I feel so connected to that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And you know, again, I'm a nine who is an introvert and who is pretty, pretty hardcore self-preserver. So I can feel like a five, but I do, he kind of talks later, later about being engulfed mm-hmm. and there is that resonates really hard with me. I have to really push against this idea that I'm just going to kind of be gobbled up and not mm-hmm. be able to say what I need or hold my space. So mm-hmm. it's coming from a different space 
mm-hmm. but the same words could really apply um, apply to that. And quite honestly, the results the same hmm. is an impoverishment of the future, right? If I am so for every number, not wanting to be engulfed by, um, because I don't think I'm going to be able to say what I need without being disconnected or um, what whatever my reason is around conflict and holding the space of peace, that I'm going to lose that somehow if I give or connect in a way or and kind of the words that I use is that I feel like I'm going to be gobbled up, right? That I'm yeah. just going to get lost in all of that. It's the same it's a, it's the same sense of impoverishment. Yeah. You know, like we all, our view is so s- small of what, what could be. Yeah. Um, or our trust in ourselves to, mm-hmm. for me to hold that space and for a five to have enough. Yeah. But they've got enough. Yeah. yeah. So good. Yeah. Um, next uh, trait structure is pathological detachment, which I love. Mm-hmm. And the first, uh, one of the first words in that paragraph is reciprocity, mm-hmm. which I think is really important. Um, I do think that one way of thinking about fives is kind of this unilateralness in the world. They kind of, um, it's that autonomy, I guess. But mm-hmm. um, so he he's talks about given the reciprocity of giving and taking in human relationships. So I think fives, you know, almost don't even see relationship that way. They don't right. see the reciprocity um, and compulsion to not give surely the echo of perceiving an early life that it goes against survival to give more than is received. So there's mm-hmm. that early wound can hardly be sustained except at the expense of relationship itself. As if the individual considered if the only way to hold on to the little I have is to distance myself from others and their needs or wants. That is what I will do. Yeah. And he talks about this. To me, this is sometimes where you can feel the word that's bubbling up in me is smugness. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of sense of there is something that feels almost like a spiritual bypass. Like Ooh, I yeah. can point to this and be like, look, I'm detached. I don't have needs y'all are so extravagant (laughs) right that that kind of detachment um can be a little hard to push back against totally Um, they've got a a real mental defense uh lined up to give you if you come at them on that one oh yeah yeah oh yeah um an aspect of pathological detachment is the characteristic aloofness of type five Another, the quality of being a loner, i.e. one accustomed to being solitary and who out of resignation in regard to relating does not feel particularly lonely. So I I love all those words, aloofness, loner, and he keeps using the word resignation, which I think is really important. Seclusiveness is down there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, A general lack of motivation to relate. Um. The giving up yeah. of relationship is interdependent with the inhibition of needs <laughs> or it could hardly be compatible to give up relationships and to be needy. And thus giving up relationship already implies a relinquishment or minimization of needs. So, yeah. and to me, I think even, I wonder if he was aware of this when he wrote it as a five, um, <laughs> It could hardly be compatible to give up relationships and to be needy. Just <laughs> even the word needy, yeah, um, in relationship to relationships, yeah, right, is not true, right? Um, that, or at least, I mean, I don't know. I know his language is is a little different, but when I think needy, and this could be from my perspective, but I think generally we kind of hear the word needy as negative, um, kind of a little negative, whereas yeah. just just a basic. Uh, that's why I like the word reciprocity. Point. Reciprocity. I mean, that's just what relational. relationship is. <laughs> right. Reciprocity. Right. And you, you have some needs in that. Um, I mean, that's that just how it goes. Yeah. 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 I mean, relationships are not unilateral. And I think, right. I kind of think they think it, they can be, you know? Right. 
It's weird. Yeah, I did too. I did too. Um, and then fear our, of engulfment, man. Our, this one. Yeah, I'll my, read. Yeah, the got- fear of avoidance of being swallowed up by other might be a corollary <laughs> of the avoidance of relationships. Yet, not only this, for it is also the expression of a half-conscious perception of one's suppressed need to relate and a fear of potential dependency. Um, I mean, as a nine, that, I mean, gobbled me up. I wrote it in the the corner there. That that um, fear of being swallowed up by others, like this engulfment, like if you give or you open, um, I really kind of can connect to that um, with the five. Uh, he goes on to say, in other words, a great sensitivity to interference goes hand in hand with an over docility in virtue of which the individual interferes all too easily with her own spontaneity, her preferences, and with acting in a way coherent with her needs in the presence of others. Um, so again, this is, it's a kind of, gives you that impoverishment of the future Mm -hmm. um, that they feel can feel trapped and any of the kind of true expression other than holding back and holding in and holding on to is squashed because of the fear of what will be demanded or what will be taken Mm -hmm. from them in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. No, to the go. extent that the relationship entails alienation from one's preferences <laughs> and authentic, <laughs> authentic expression, there arises an implicit stress and the need to recover from it. The need I to find that. oneself again in aloneness. Yes. <laughs> to, and I, you know? I, I think that's um, kind of a hair trigger, you know, yeah. um, I think. I, I like that the great sensitivity to interference and interruption. I definitely, as mm-hmm. being married to a five, I definitely experience that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's, it's it, again, it's kind of like what you were talking about earlier about just thinking that too much about one thing being the solution to everything. So they start to feel a little bit engulfed and then they reach way too quickly for the aloneness. And they think that that, getting back to that place is going to solve that feeling of engulfment. And it does remind me of the nine thing. Like, like when I was, we talk about you practicing your, 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 what is it? Your like peace little, Mm -hmm. uh, what is, what what are you afraid of? You're afraid of conflict. So small conflict uh, activities, like Mm -hmm. small conflict muscles. And so every time you can kind of, observe yourself in small conflicts, the more you don't get overwhelmed by small conflicts and can see small conflicts for what they are, not some huge thing. And I think with fives, it's like the kind of the same thing, like these little moments of what to them feels like engulfment to the rest of us is just whatever, you know, it's life. And so if they can just observe that feeling of engulfment, and the need to kind of run away and go back to being alone and just see that and, and don't run away and be alone because the running away and being alone as a, as a solution to that engulfment just perpetuates that cycle and your inability to have um, that openness to a more expansive future and a more expansive, robust self. Yeah. Well, and I think, that they do it to find themselves because yeah. they think they're going to find themselves there that they're going to lose themselves in the yeah. other places. And if they can stay put, then they realize that they're still there. <laughs> yeah. They're still like, they are still there. Fives are still themselves in the center of spaces. That. Yeah. They're not only themselves alone. That's, That's not the only place they find themselves. So it's, it's in- almost like, for me, I have to realize, I can remember learning as a, you know, like as a 20 year old being in, for example, romantic relationships, I was always scared that somehow I would get into them. And then I wouldn't be able to get out. Like if I knew that it was wrong, I would somehow merge or be gobbled up, right? Yeah. Somehow I wouldn't be able to state my preference that mm-hmm. I would be too scared of disconnection. And, you know, part of 
learning about who you are is that I'm still myself there. I'm still myself when I disconnect. I have the ability to do that, to try things on, to connect, to um, to have conflict, mm-hmm. even if I move away or have my heart broken or what have you. And I think the same in, in a different way applies to fives is that when they feel like they're starting to be engulfed, they are still themselves. Like they are, they're still there. Yeah. Um, and I think they buy into the idea that they can only exist in aloneness. Yeah. In their truest form. Or Yes. Yes. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And that's where that judgment comes into. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Totally. That's the true, the true form of being is right. in the alone. Right. Right. Which is not true. Right. Right. Um, autonomy, uh, Mm -hmm. needs to be able to do without external supplies and the idealization of this. So again, that kind of, uh, um, again, that kind of smugness around it. So they're autonomous. They don't need anything. They don't have, they don't have to have all these supplies and, uh, they don't have to have people, um, they don't have to have help and that's awesome and better than the rest of us. Yeah. It's correct. I, yeah. <laughs> I like his term. I guess it's not his term. He said it's H.S. Sullivan's expression that they've developed distance machinery. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Distance yeah. machinery. That's yeah. funny. Their brain is that. That's what their brain oh, is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, feelinglessness which is a huge mm-hmm. one. Um, yeah. The loss of awareness of feelings and even an interference with the generation of feeling. I think that's super important, which results from the avoidance of expression and action an indifferent, cold, unempathetic and apathetic. Um, mm. So I have been no, like, I have been noticing lately, just this is like a new thing for me in the last couple of weeks when Nathaniel my husband, who's a five, gets a little, uh, he feels a little angry. He feels a little, when he's coming at me in a way that feels a little extra. I, and I don't mean to be flippant, but I have been like actually asking him, are you having some feelings? (laughs) And every time he's been like, yeah, yeah, yes. And so then we actually get somewhere with that conversation, which uh, I don't, I don't know, you know, like it would have just been gone gone south earlier, but now I can just say, are those, is that what a feeling is? Is that, are you, are you having a feeling? And then we irritated. Yeah. Yeah. Usually is expressed in anger and rigidity. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's been helpful to me and I think hopefully helpful to him. Um, and again, she's comparing, he is comparing fives and ones while the, yeah. while the one is aversive to pleasure, the five simply appears as having a diminished capacity to experience it. I think that's very interesting. And again, well, I you think can't there's be smugness. That contained. Yeah. You can't be that contained. And, In pleasure. And yeah. Yeah. You can't. You can't. I mean, I think there is, they, I do think the fives I know take some, a, a certain amount of pleasure for sure. And it, in their containment and in their thoughts and their, yeah. And Very, I, I also think they've decided that is the only, it's, it's correct. It's the only correct kind of pleasure in a similar way of ones. You yeah. Know, yeah. In internal um, and it's funny that they go to seven and health fives because that must feel fives, fives go to eight and health. Oh, they go to sevens and stress. So that mm-hmm. seems like a really cheap shot. I mean, that's a very awkward transition. Yeah. You know, yeah. well, both of them are such, um, so much more in some ways, I mean, embodied in a way. I mean, even though the seven's up in their head quite a bit as well, obviously. Right. But there's but some action happening. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. it's interesting that both their points are aggressive. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's wild. Anyway, they need it. They, they do need it. it. They maybe yeah. they got a double dose there, the fives. Yeah. 
Um, Mm -hmm. Postponement of action. One of my Mm -hmm. favorite ways to make fun of fives. (laughs) Well, and where you and I also could land if we're honest with ourselves. Uh, you know, oh, oh, it's withdrawing, doing, doing yeah. repression and withdrawing. Yeah, 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 totally. You're right. You're right. You're right. I probably have um, some blind spots about, hmm, like when I want to do something, I do it. You know, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm, sh- and there are a lot of things that I avoid that I'm probably have some blind spots to because I sort of feel fairly aggressive in a lot like of ways you're doing things yeah, yeah. like I'm not hesitant I'm not hesitant let's put it that way I'm yeah. not hesitant and fives <laughs> are, are very hesitant and so it's really easy to see their um the ways in which they stall their postponement uh, mm-hmm. yes yes mm-hmm. um uh so at the bottom of 87 he talks about postponement of action this way We may say that to act, I love this. We may say that to act is to invest oneself. I love that. Good for all of us withdrawers. Um, It's a a mirror quote right there. Yes. To put one's energy, to put one's energies into use, which goes against the grain of retentive orientation of five. Mm. Um, Yet more generally, action cannot be separated as uh, considered as separate from interaction. So when the drive to relate is low, the drive to do is concomitantly lessened. On the other hand, so there's that, you know, drive to relate is low, drive to to, uh, action is low. On the other hand, action requires an enthusiasm for something, a presence of feelings, which is not the case in the apathetic individual. And maybe that's what I'm referring to when I said that Mm -hmm. earlier. To mm-hmm. do is also something like showing oneself to the world for one's actions manifest one's intentions. One who wants to keep his intentions hidden as the fives do will also inhibit their activities on these grounds and develop instead a spontaneous movement and initiative and excessive restraint. Um, yeah. So I think, I mean, it's kind of a huge uh conglomeration of action being low, relating being low, feelings being low. And that all mm-hmm. comes out um into this, you know, into into what well, seems like all of their efforts are targeted at restraint. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. You know? It's like yeah. they're working hard, but at restraint. Yes. In a way. Um, yes. Um, mm. Do you want to do the next trait structure? Sure. Cognitive orientation. And I wrote out to the side activity of abstraction, which I mm. think is another um, good phrase about this. Very I good. S- see, through a predominantly cognitive orientation, the five may seek to substitute satisfaction as in the replacement of living through reading. Gosh, we know 75. Yes. <laughs> it's just a, it's, that's just a fact. Mm-hmm. Yet the symbolic replacement of life, the symbolic replacement of life, that's something. Isn't that great? Is not only, is not the only form of expression of intense thinking activity. Another aspect is the preparation for life, a preparation that is intense to the extent that the individual never feels ready enough. Yes. In the elaboration of perceptions as preparation, it inhibits the action. It becomes an activity of abstraction, mm-hmm. anticipation, um, and preparation becomes an activity of abstraction and that's particularly striking. So a replacement of life in the, in the form of uh, expression of um, intense thinking activity. Yeah. Yeah. Is a life. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I mean, I, I, the way he talks about it is so good. I've never heard anyone talk about it that way. And I I think, Mm -hmm. I think they're unaware of it. I think they think Mm -hmm. 
that that activity is what life is. I mean, yeah. it's interesting. And I think, go ahead. I was, I think it's interesting that si- uh, simultaneously they're creating in their heads a replacement for life and they think that is life. Mm-hmm. And they are also uh, preparing for life. So they're, they're actively replacing life in their head and they're actively preparing for life in the future in their head. All of it's in their head. I mean, like, and, and the one can't feed the other, you know, like what, what they're preparing for and what they think life is, is skewed by this uh, symbolic cognitive loop that they're in. Yeah. 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 And, and, and this makes me think of the fear piece of the head triad that they are scared. They're not going to have what they need. They're not going to have thought things through enough so they might have to depend on someone else so they might be engulfed by someone else um that they won't find themselves in what they need by themselves alone and so that um preparation um begins to feel like life yeah yeah living yeah really it's coming out of a place of lack and fear Mm -hmm. um that's why it also made me think of, um, I just lost my thought. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Well, I mean. It'll come back. It'll, it'll come, come back. back. I think that what's, you know, also I think that kind of is part of the postponement of action is that they're always preparing for life and they're never ready enough. And and mm-hmm. so there's always postponement because there, you can always validate the preparation. And, uh, I mean, I, you know, that that's never ending. It seems the fives I know in my life, they just can validate that all day long. And so there's no, you don't see any movement and, and they feel that that's correct. They feel that that's wise and sensible and worthy. And the rest of us are just very haphazard and very impulsive and very mm-hmm. indulgent, you know, mm-hmm. And that just, that, that, was, yeah, sorry, you go. I was just thinking about introverts and I don't know, I I don't know enough about introverts. I know I'm one, I know Daniel's one, I know a lot of fives are one or introverts. And I wonder if this is a place that introverts stub their toes in a similar way because of the rich internal chatter, because mm. it happens inside and the comfort space of being alone and having that internal chatter. Yes. I too feel oftentimes that I have expressed outwardly more than I have Um, because of my internal world. I think I have, I have people have come along for the ride with me when Mm -hmm. I have not said out loud what is happening inside and I think this is also a place, this kind of cognitive orientation coupled with their internal kind of introversion is there is a weird um, cognitive (laughs) misstep for me as well, where I think you've been there, even though you are not there. And I think fives really hardcore that. Hardcore. Hard, hardcore. Um, it's, it's just unbelievable. And it just disconnects and builds their wall even more um, yeah. because we haven't been there. Right. Not at all. Not at all. Um, um, yeah. The end of that, I love that last sentence mm-hmm. on the page is mm-hmm. this avoidance of concreteness in turn is linked to type five's hiddenness. Only the results of one's perceptions are offered to the world, not its raw material. So that's another way of saying what you just said. Yeah. It's so, um, and I think fives work. What, I mean, we all have a lot of work. One of the things a five needs to work on other than the, uh, flexing small engulfment muscles is, uh, (laughs) is, realizing when your thoughts are in the raw material stage and just verbalizing them 
you know, bring us in, bring us in, open up. Yeah. 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 It Uh, reminds me of, um, Oh, the, um, untethered soul guy where mm -hmm. he says, just don't close that. Yeah. Yes. If, if, uh, if a, five could think of themselves as already open that there is every everything we need is here and not that they have to do something to open up but if they just wouldn't close themselves off to what is already there and holding them and taking care of them kind of on this deeper spiritual level and in all of the concrete ways too hopefully even though we know sometimes that isn't true for everyone um but if they if they, if they could imagine themselves as already open to what's there, not something they have to do to open, but just to, to not close themselves off to what, what is already there. Yes. And is already a part is already a part of. Right. Um, right. Which kind of goes back to the beginning of the chapter um, of, uh, of uh, the kind of the, um, what is it? The impending, the catastrophic mm. depletion. So I think, yeah. I think that the closing is related to that. And, mm-hmm. and, and so remaining open is not going to be catastrophic. No, no. <laughs> I mean, you know, life is catastrophic sometimes, but sure. Yeah, sure. Um, They're good. Next. Um, well, I do think also, gosh, I feel like we could read this whole chapter, but the last paragraph of mm-hmm. the cognitive orientation where he says the inhibition of feelings and action along with the emphasis of cognition gives rise to the characteristic of being a mere witness of life yes. which is a little bit what we were just talking about a non-attached yet keen observer of it who in this very keenness seems to be seeking to replace life through its understanding that's oftentimes we talk about the barn owl or the owl who's just mm-hmm. kind of up there with their big eyes looking at life, you know, can tell you how it works, but is not a participant um, at all, um, but is not attached to it. Yeah. Um, it's I a, think good, that... a good little sentence and description of that. Yes. Because yeah. um, I want to talk about sense of emptiness, kind of inner vacuum feeling faintly existing. I thought that was interesting, which is kind of a, a an embody a lack of embodiment, I think. Mm-hmm. Sterility. Um, all, mm-hmm. That's a good word. Um uh let's see. And guilt is the next one. Um it, he talks about fours and fives being guilt prone. Um uh but because fives I, I are like that. You like that? Uh, I liked, um, I had not thought of this piece of them before. Mm-hmm. Of a five? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, guilt manifests in a vague sense of inferiority, however, in a vulnerability to intimidation, in a sense of awkwardness and self-consciousness. Um, he believes it is also a consequence of the early implicit decision of the five to withdraw love as a response to the lovelessness of the world. The cold detachment of type five may thus be regarded as an equivalent to the anger of the eight who sets out to go it alone and fights for his needs in a hostile world. His moving away from people, uh, the fives moving away from people is equivalent to the, to moving against of an eight as if in the impossibility to express anger, the five he annihilated the other in his inner world. So it's like, it's like, so the early wound of the world's not going to give you what you want. So you're going to withdraw, withdraw, withdraw to take care of yourself. And this kind of guilt, sense of guilt about it. And then also just not feeling that anger is uh, available to you or appropriate. And I think that's also similar to the nine, right? And mm-hmm. so it's just like not a lot of access to anger. And so I, I love that the way a five handles that is by annihilating whatever the source of anger is, you annihilate it inside yourself. 
Whereas the eight just goes after whatever makes them angry. Yeah. Just moves against it. Yeah. It's really, it's really fascinating. Um, so. And intense. Yeah. It's intense. It's that intensity turned inward. Annihilate. Is a big um, word. Is a big word. And it's hard to get a five to see that they're up to that, Mm -hmm. you know, because it is such a complex structure in their mind. It's hard to start um, melting those structures in the brain, just let go of them. Yeah. Uh, Really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, High super ego. I didn't underline anything there. Do you have anything you want to read? I don't know why. I I mean, I think part of this is, again, going back to that to me a little bit of a smugness mm. um, that um, there's not a lot there, but it may be said that the Enneotype one, you know, kind of has that external kind of rightness or ego about knowing what's right. And the five, it's another way of talking about the internal mm-hmm. kind of um, I've arrived. I can do what I need. I've got what I need on the inside mm-hmm. as opposed to, as opposed to all of you, or I can read about it and figure it out. Or um, I think it's, it's that, that piece of who they are. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Negativism, which is the next trait. Um, A wish. Fascinating. Yes. um, I underlined a wish to subvert the perceived demands of others and of oneself. Here we can see again a factor underlying the characteristic postponement of action. For sometimes this involves a wish not to do that which is perceived as a should, a wish not to give something requested or expected, even when the source of the request is internal rather than societal. So whether that should feels like it's coming from inside yourself, or whether that should is coming from your spouse or the world, you are not going to capitulate to it. And I mean, I just think this is a fancy way of saying stubborn as fuck. Stubborn me too. (laughs) (laughs) And and there is, you know, if I talk about stubbornness inside of myself, when it is, it is my first response to whatever is coming at me is no, Mm. you know, that, that is a big part of my stubbornness. Not like I'm going to hold on to my yes, no matter yes, what, yes. but that my no is coming, right? That yes. my no takes the lead oftentimes in my stubbornness. Um, and so I sort of feel that you can, um, I mean, one thing I love that Suzanne says is that you can sort of judge your health by how often you're offended. And yeah. I think a five and a nine can probably also judge their health by how much no they're feeling. And um, Nathaniel's been saying recently, he's he's uh, dealing with a character in his life that is also a five, who he calls a wall of no. Um, <laughs> and he just feels like that it is a wall of no. And I think fives and nines can feel like a wall of no. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the work there is to catch yourself in that moment where you're like, well, why, why, as you were saying earlier, that's closing. So just that's, that's a way of closing. Yeah. And I would, I mean, like a little asterisk to this is just to remind people that I am, I am a self-preserving kind of nine and there are nines who lead too much with yes. 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 I'm so glad you said that. So we always have to remember that, that my, my yes is to my own comfort, whatever I've decided that to be. Um, so that's like merging, merging with what I've decided. But there have been times in my life where I said, where my yes was too ready, right? Even if Ooh, they're interesting, the merging, and maybe at some point in my life, I, um, it can be easy for me to self-correct almost mm. too much. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes, oftentimes, a nine saying no is not, I mean, th- this is for anything, right? But yeah. too much of one way or the other. Yes. But I just, it's just a good reminder that um, oftentimes what the place where the nine is seeking peace is, is a quick yes, is always, you know, that that's where that's they really good. They get that quick yes. 
And it's really um, good. I kind of have a little different feel of that mm-hmm. um, and talk about it from a different perspective. Um, but just a good. So again, it goes back to you're just talking about self awareness and like just mm-hmm. catching yourself in the yes mm-hmm. or the no, I suppose. Yeah. And and then like saying, okay, what you know, what's that? Yeah. What's that about? Yeah. And I think that's like the work of the, that's the work. Like of all I, of us. Yeah. There can be a good, there are good times to say no, right. There are good right. times to have boundaries or there, there are times that I need to say yes more, but it is knowing if it, if it's coming from a habitual patterned way of being in the world, right. If it's coming from that um, autopilot asleep kind of place where all of us can be. Um, but if I am, pausing and peeling back the layers and choosing from my at least the truest self that I can tap into in the moment yeah then that's a that's a good no or a good yes whatever is coming hmm. from me you know yeah um, that's good. but it's in the auto it's the auto place right. the auto right. self-containment of the five the automatic view that um that they can contain and make take care of all their needs um, yeah. and by that means they have to say no to everything or have this you know come at it from this negative space um, right 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 um hypersensitivity which i think is always kind of a little bit of a surprise on in the five um <laughs> to the extent that the five is not autistically disconnected from the perception of others he is gentle soft and harmless and so that's, that's, that's important, you know, like, I don't know, gentle, soft and harmless, but that he's saying to the extent that he's to, that his, he's healthy, really. Um, even in his dealing with the inanimate environment, this is true. He does not, and I, I feel this is really true with Nathaniel. He does not want to disturb the way things are. He would like, so to say, to walk without harming the grass on which he treads. Mm. And um, this whole, just um, just building this building in Vermont has been very, I don't want to say traumatic to Nathaniel. That's a little dramatic, but it's been hard for him. It's given him a great deal of stress on so many levels. One because of this, because he doesn't want, he doesn't want to disturb things. He wants to tread lightly, but also wrapped up in that is that his needs are being put into this big project. So he's disturbing the grass. He's saying he needs something. He's doing something that's kind of expansive and extravagant in his mind. And uh, it's, he is stressed every day. I've actually never seen him so stressed in my life. So mm. I know it's been very hard wow. for him. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I know. And do you think part of, I mean, I know a little bit about that, but I, the, at the end of the first paragraph in this um, section, mm-hmm. he said it manifests um, in a low tolerance of pain to a fear of rejection. Mm. But um, if underneath that, kind of gentleness and tread lightly that when things are being disturbed so like literally like the ground is being disturbed there's some relational disturbance Mm -hmm. that that um could lead to rejection or it's that chance where he he or a five of any stripe has kind of put themselves out there with a need or a want mm-hmm. or a wish that mm-hmm. is external right. and not just internal. Um, and that if, if rejected, that's so painful and they don't have a tolerance for pain because yeah. they've kind of numbed themselves in a similar way. Maybe, I mean, to a nine, but if everything is internal um, how would you, how would you feel much pain from the right. outside? Yeah. Right. And Russ Hudson talks, who's also a five talks about mm-hmm. fives as sea anemones, which I know we've brought up a lot on our podcast, but it. I think that, you know, it's that the early wound, he talks about kind of the early wound of, of, of pulling in all your little anemone suckers, your little arms mm-hmm pulling them in and kind of overprotecting this hypersensitivity that you felt as a child 
very vulnerable, I think, and, and didn't feel for whatever reason that life could provide you what, what your sensitivity and vulnerability needed. So you, you pulled it all in and then there is this lack of experience of it. So you're so protected against pain that you've kind of lost touch with how to deal with pain, which again, is that quick overwhelm, that quick feeling like you're, what does he say? What's the word for overwhelm that he uses that, uh, I love that earlier in the chapter we were talking about anyway, that, so, yeah. And so I just think that, um, there in a way their sense of expansion and pain and discomfort is a little, it's a little warped because they've brought their feelers in so, uh, quickly Mm -hmm. and they've been doing, well, you know, the way threes, uh, move on from a feeling and have been doing it since for so long that they're not aware of it. I think fives have been protecting against vulnerability and pain for so long that they're not aware of it and are not equipped really for it. Yeah. Well, and there's that sense of where they've said aloneness or self-sufficiency, retentiveness, is the highest good. And if they're Mm -hmm. so comfortable and at home there, Mm -hmm. there is something when they move outside of that, I think that has to acknowledge that they are lonely, Mm -hmm. that everything is not self-sufficient and that's um, super destabilizing. And yes, I think it really is supposed for all of us that when you have this castle that you've, built and you've you have detached and you in lots of ways are okay with that detachment but you haven't peeled back enough to say hey it can be awfully lonely being detached Mm -hmm. or I wish that I was connected or wouldn't it be nice if Mm -hmm. I um, let myself be engulfed with pleasure engulfed connection right that there that that just must you must just feel so sensitive um to those to those connections or acknowledgments yeah of of your feelings yeah yeah um and then the last part the existential psychodynamics um a basic distrust leads a five to invalidate the positive feelings of others towards him as manipulative. I think that a whole new therapeutic vista opens up when we take into account the repercussions of an emptiness, which the individual inadvertently creates precisely through the attempt to fill it up. Thus, we may, thus we may say that it is not just mother love that the five is needing right now, but true aliveness, the sense of existing, a plenitude that he sabotages from moment to moment through the compulsive avoidance of life and relationship. Thus, it is not in receiving love that lies his greatest hope, but in his own ability to love and relate. Just as inwardness is animated by a thirst for enrichment and ends up in impoverishment, so also a misplaced search for being perpetuates that obscuration. The self-absorbed five would remove himself away from the interfering world, yet in the act of thus removing himself, he also removes himself from himself. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, I do think it it is, uh, it's great that he says, you know, that kind of the key there is, that is not that is not in receiving love that lies the hope, but in his own ability to love and relate. So that's a real. Um, there's so much agency in that for a five that that you you actually know your hope is in that expansion, in the sea anemone branches going out, in feeling awkward in that like love, 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 love. I want to love you. I want to relate to you. I want to know more about you. I want to put myself out there. Um. I mean, it's pretty cool to know that that's really quite specifically what you need to do. Um, yeah, you need to be embarrassed. You need bit. to be embarrassed. And um, mm-hmm. 
I said this at number night, but Nathaniel's new hero is Jerry Buss. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. The character and the show. What's the show called? Can't. Oh, I don't know. About the LA it. Lakers. Something. Yeah. But, um, he, 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 he described it as a rakish giving away of oneself. And, um, I like the word rakish. I think that's good for a five. Uh Um, and so I think, and, and a rakish enjoyment of life. And so, uh, I, I almost think that a five never needs to worry about enjoying life too much, like to be rakish in your pleasure and enjoyment of life is a good goal. So I think, you know, for Jerry, a five, for a five, for a five. Yeah. So yeah. Jerry Buss is a five. So maybe a five or at least Nathaniel's. Um, <laughs> Just like uh, slightly, I don't, I've not watched it, but like the words that I think about are, you know, being inappropriate or not. So kind of bound. Um, right. And then that giving away of yourself in a rakish kind of way means that you don't give a, you know, what about being engulfed? Right. Right. If it's you're a, giving it, yourself away, it's um, a, there's it's, a bigness there. It's a high tolerance for risk. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the opposite of fear in lots of ways. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's, well, uh, there's just so, so much good. good language in this. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot. About, I did too. About myself too. Um, good stuff. Okay. Well, thanks for zooming with me. I hope the audio is okay. Thanks, everybody. My only friend. It pushes, it pulls me. I don't pay the rent. I don't need the walls to bury my grave. I don't need your company to feel saved. I don't need the sunlight. My curtains don't draw. I don't need the objects to keep or to pawn. I don't want your pity, concern, or your scorn. I'm calm by my lonesome. I feel right at home. And when the wind blows, I get to dancing. My fun is the rhythm of air. When it's prancing, I play with the moon. My only friend, it pushes, it pulls me. I don't pay rent. I don't need the wall.